0: where we gather at the table to hear each other's stories. I'm your host, Angie Smith, and I am so glad that you're here. Please pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the table. Uh, This is going to be sort of a bonus episode because I was really intending on being done for the summer with the podcast. But then my guest today has been writing a series of blog posts that are worthy of picking up again and doing another podcast before we head into summer because it's she's it's such an important conversation today on the podcast i have my friend alicia vela she and i met at uh the azer collective which i will put in the show notes so you can find out more about that uh at the Azer Collective Conference and from then it's, have gone to coffee a couple times and just gotten to know each other a little bit and had really great conversations and I appreciate her perspective and her heart and when I started reading her blog posts which are on the topic of singleness I read she's doing a four-part series I read the second one and then texted her that day and said will you be on the podcast please so I will join me in welcoming Alicia Vela Hi. Hi. I'm <laughs> so glad you said yes. I'm so glad I said yes too. <laughs> this is like a dream come true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Why well why don't you tell us a little bit more about you? Yeah. Um, so I am new to Minnesota. I feel like mm-hmm. that's people should know that about me. <laughs> uh so in case you wondering where my minnesotan accent is although that sounded like it uh i'm originally from denver i am a youth pastor in the local church and i am single and Mm -hmm. i am a long distance tia is what i like to call Uh, Mm -hmm. my means aunt in spanish so i'm Mm -hmm. a long distance tia to three beautiful nieces um who will probably never hear this but in case they do hey guys <laughs> and um yeah i love coffee i love stories i love um podcasts so this is kind of a treat for me Yay. to be here yeah <laughs> i have to say i have
0: three older sisters and one of them doesn't have children and to have that aunt speak like pour into my boys lives and just be there for them she lives like 45 minutes away to be there physically when she can but just to always be cheering for them is such a gift so yeah yeah, yeah
1: it's a gift it's a gift on both sides i i love I love being an aunt it's a uh, mm-hmm. it's a joy um even if they're a little crazy mm-hmm. i love <laughs> I love being there one and only you know it's yeah,
0: good <laughs> nice so the blog series that you're doing is on singleness and first Will you talk a little bit about what was, what kind of what's the backstory? What got you to the place of
1: feeling prompted to write the series? Yeah, I um, have really struggled being a single woman in the church. And I think especially as a single woman, I think single men have their own sets of things that they have to deal with. But as a single woman in leadership at a church, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to have people to look up to, that are choosing that lifestyle and not choosing in the like singleness is my choice, but choosing to live a life of integrity in my singleness. Mm -hmm. And I've often looked towards other people to be that voice for me, but really in all reality, I only know of like one Christian woman who is like vocal about being single. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to a friend recently, who's also a writer and I had said that I had all these ideas about what it was what it means to be single in the church and that I didn't want to write about it but that I feel like somebody should write about it and I was looking for her to give me more people to read because she's more Mm -hmm. in the writing world than I am and she said "If if that's your voice why aren't you using it and it was just this moment of like Okay, like like God totally speaking through her to say, like, you're calling me out. Yeah. Why are you waiting for someone else to share your story? Mm. Um, And it was like it was just like a knife to the heart. But then I sat on it again for another like two months (laughs) because I didn't want to be I didn't want to be the single woman. Like Mm. I didn't want to be all of a sudden you're the spokesperson. I'm the person that now everyone is going to look to. And I don't want to be labeled as like being called to singleness because that's something that somebody like people have said to me, like, you know, well, maybe you're just called to being single. And it's like, well, maybe. But that's like God's got to tell me that, like not Mm -hmm. you. Um, And so I was afraid I was afraid of what people would say um, and getting a lot of pity or a lot of um, like, oh, she's not married and. And Almost so. like
0: a, oh, less, like you're not whole. Yeah, you're yeah. You're half.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. And so, you know, one post became two posts, and now I think it's going to be four, but let's be honest, I'm in the middle of it, and right. it could be more than four. But I feel really strongly, and I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. So hopefully we're all still friends at the end <laughs> of these posts. <laughs> That's what I keep telling people.
0: <laughs> well, I've really appreciated them, and and you and I have had a couple of conversations about this too, just over coffee, but as a, as a married woman, and, and I think this goes beyond the conversation too of anything that you don't know, like in your first, first post, you had somebody say to you that they didn't know what they didn't know that she was married. She didn't know what it was like to be single in the church. That has isn't her experience. And I think that goes to, A lot of things like I'm a white suburban mom married mom so if you live in the city if you're a woman of color and you're single like I can't speak to that and it would be easy to just go over that and pass that and not stop and listen which I think we need to because that's valuable because we learn so much Mm -hmm. which is why I well I guess that's why I appreciate what you're doing because I need to hear your voice. And hear what you have to say, Thank and it you. is it is it is um, stirring some things, which <laughs> which is good, which is good, which we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah,
1: it's always good. That's why I I called the second post a gut check because yeah. it is it is not necessarily pleasant.
0: <laughs> no, and when I texted you, it was I I think the way I said it was made. There were a couple of things that made me say, but but mm-hmm. but I needed to keep listening and keep reading
1: which is good. Yeah. And I think anytime we can sit across the table from someone whose journey looks different than ours, we're going to grow as people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't fault. Well, sometimes I fault the church, but I don't always fault the church in not knowing how to deal with single people because I understand what it's like when my friend said, I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, She was lucky enough to find the love of her life young and they got married and they have three beautiful children. And that is an amazing storyline and it's been a while since she's been single and so she doesn't know what it's like to be single at the age of 32 and especially in a world of dating apps and right. all of these really weird things about being single in in this age like she just she Online. doesn't know and so to have that honest conversation between the two of us just like i don't know what it's like to be married or to have loved the same person. For That long. Um, I don't I don't know what that's that is. So yeah, it's it's good to n- name what we don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: Another important thing, too, that we talked about before we started recording is that this is your story, mm-hmm. which is one single person's story. Yes. That you are are not the spokesperson. You're not speaking for everybody. This is Alicia's story. Yes.
1: So don't go out and tell everybody that Alicia thinks this. So you think this now. Right. All single people have their own versions of this story. And all married people have their own versions Mm -hmm. of their story. And so you have to treat everybody differently. I just have heard a lot of single people say a lot of things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of the same thing?
1: A lot of, yeah, a lot of the same things. A lot Mm -hmm. of the same hurtful comments. A lot of the same uh, things that are meant to be helpful but are not helpful. Yeah, and so... As I've been writing this I've had my single friends message me and be like I'm so glad you said that out loud or um, have said like oh don't forget to say these things that people say to us so I know it's it's a problem and we need to talk about it but also know that I'm just one person Mm -hmm. and I also name a lot in this is that I'm coming at it from a place of privilege because I'm a youth pastor I get invited into people's homes more frequently I get to have relationship with married people in a a different way Mm -hmm. than your typical single person in a church who's not on staff, who doesn't have access to married people in the same way. So even as a single person, I come at it from a place of privilege. And I feel really strongly that I have to name that and own that.
0: That people might seek you out in a different way Mm -hmm. because of the position that you hold.
1: I get invited out to lunch because I'm the youth pastor, not because I'm a single person. Mm. And because they want their kids to know me mm-hmm. because I'm the youth pastor.
0: Right. And
1: not that's not the only reason. People right. like me. I mean, right. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: You are super likable. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> Just wanted that affirmation.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what are a few of the things? I mean, what are what are some of the things that we're saying that are not helpful?
1: My very, the very first time that I realized that this was going to be a thing in the church was I was uh 20 I think and I was serving at a church and I had a plan for my life in ministry Uh, Mm -hmm. I was working with youth ministry I was finishing college I wanted to get an internship in youth ministry and so somebody had asked me what my plans after graduation were and I had laid out this whole plan of like I'm going to get an internship and then I'm going to you know take a call to be a youth pastor I'm going to do all these things and um this woman said to me where does a man fit into that plan? And wow. I remember being like, well, it doesn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> and not that it doesn't fit, because obviously like if, if God had brought someone into my life at that point or if I had met somebody or, you know, that then, you know, you figure out in mm-hmm. a relationship, I guess. I mean, I don't know yet, <laughs> but you figure that out. For the fact that I was 20 years old, and the question was, like, how does a man fit into my plan Right. of following God? Like, it's mm-hmm. not like I was, I don't know. It's not like I was doing something different. Like, um, I'm going to
0: go work on, like, what was her name? Amy Carmichael. I'm going to go be a missionary way
1: off in the jungle. Right. Yeah. Myself. You know, and, by, and maybe then. Which would be a great call. Which would be a great call. call if that's your call. Mm-hmm. But it was just weird that that was, like, her first question. Mm-hmm. And over the years the amount of intrusive questions about, um, my relationship status from people that didn't know me. Mm. Um, and the assumptions that that makes, I've had people say things like, well, you're still single because there's something that God's still trying to teach you. Um, which I always want to say, well, like, so you're perfect. Like when you got (laughs) married, (laughs) like you were a hundred percent, like the developed person that you are now, (laughs) like no growth needed after that, the magical, the magical I do's, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so stuff like that, or even just, um, you know, the be, the be patient, which you do have to be patient. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that that's a wrong thing to say, but for the most part, like if you don't know me well enough to speak into my life, you shouldn't be asking me about my relationship status. Mm. That is a, a place of vulnerability, especially the older I get, that is really difficult to talk about. And mm-hmm. if we don't have a relationship where that is a two-way street between the two of us, I, I don't really need, like, advice, you mm-hmm. know? And some of that, again, is because I'm the youth pastor mm-hmm. and people want or people— expect want or expect well people want people to be happy oh and i think that the formula for being happy is being married Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of christian minds Mm -hmm. and that is a formula to be happy but i can be happy and content as an individual i can have a deep relationship with god as an individual Mm -hmm. without a spouse and that assumption that without a spouse i am incomplete is really difficult and wrong and wrong, I, it's because wrong. <laughs> uh, you are not any more complete than I am right. as a married person. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have someone else that you're walking life with in a defined covenant relationship mm-hmm. that I don't I don't have. Yeah, I just think that that's it's hard to assume that single people need something that they don't have. Because the fact of the matter is like they may not that may not be something in my life. I may not get married. I hope to get married, and I want to get married, but it may not be the case. And so, if I will never be fulfilled in that hope of my desire or that desire of my heart, I have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm.
0: And but I that have seems like something that goes between you and God, right? Like that's a exactly. conversation between you, right. and, and God, not yeah. you and me, not you and other people,
1: exactly. I don't have, I often say, I make jokes about being single. Mm -hmm. Um, And one time somebody called me out on it and was like, Why do you always talk about that? And I was like, Well, because I think I'm trying to make it okay for other people, that it's okay that I'm single. And I know that you're wondering about that. And they're like, This friend of mine was like, I wasn't wondering about it. And the fact Mm -hmm. that you keep bringing it up makes me think that you're not okay with it. And I'm like, No, I am okay. Um, So even just like I've been conditioned. to try to make other people okay with the fact that i'm single that i'm a single leader Mm -hmm. that i um, am a single youth pastor the life that i am modeling for my students is a single life and that and that could be hard for some parents who want their kids to just grow up and find their spouse and like get married Mm -hmm. Um, that is not in my opinion an end goal and i think the church makes marriage an end goal Mm -hmm. for a lot of people Mm -hmm. Um, and i think it's really damaging Because it's not an end goal for everybody. No. Um, Or even if it is an end goal, there's a whole nother conversation about singleness after marriage. Right. You know, divorce, um, death. Like there's a lot, a lot of other pieces of singleness that is not just the like before you get married or Mm -hmm. non-married. When I was a
0: student at Northwestern, we, I worked in the ticket office and we had the lost and found there. Someone had lost their Bible. And at the end of the year, if no one claimed it, claimed the things that we would sell them. And it was this really beautiful sealskin Bible, and they had journaled in it. And I thought, well, I'm going to take this and see if I can find this. Edith Schaefer is the name that was in it. And it was Frances Schaefer's wife, Frances Schaefer, who had done Labrie. Oh, yeah. Things. And she had journaled in it. And I read it, which I shouldn't have, but I did. She was journaling about what life was like after... Francis died Mm -hmm. and I realized I couldn't look to a someone to fulfill the, the longings that I had. There Mm -hmm. were places that only God could fulfill and there were no guarantees. Yeah. So exactly what you're saying about, yeah, there's no guarantee. Yeah. So it can't like, (laughs) please let's not make that the end result.
1: Exactly. And I think if you, I mean, again, I'm not married, so I don't know. But if you go into a marriage looking for that person to fulfill the God-sized hole in your life, that's a lot of expectation to put on a person. Mm -hmm. And so if we need to be able to wrestle with what that loneliness feels like, what that means to want something that's not there, to be able to fill our God-sized hole, we need to fill it with God. Because God is the only thing that can fit that hole. So as a single person, figuring out how to find that dependence on God and be content, like, and truly content, not necessarily, like, satisfied, but content in in my relationship with God and in my knowing that I'm not alone because I have God is, in my mind, I think, hopefully setting me up well to be in a relationship with someone who is never going to fill that that hole in space in my life because we don't know what's what's around the corner. Right. Again, I don't know. I'm not married. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I just think, I think, and how interesting for you to share that story when you were in college and that that, especially at a Christian college where Mm -hmm. ring by spring is a real thing. Shoe factory. They come out in pairs. (laughs) I've never heard that one. That's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how are we, how are we as a Christian culture dealing with that? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you... At 20, I don't know. I just feel like people asking me, like, where the man fits in my life at 20 is like, that's assuming a lot of things about my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, that still sometimes today I'm like, how does a guy fit into this? Right. <laughs> like, I've got a pretty awesome life. And if I were to meet somebody tomorrow, how would he fit into that? It's still a question that I can get. Yeah, that's a, it's, that's a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the
0: first post that you had was kind of setting up oh and talking to church leaders about that which we've talked about a little bit and your second post you titled I called
1: it a married friend get check yes I like the language of friends because it makes us all feel like we were in this together because right. we, we are, are. we, we are, are in this, this together. together
0: and I mean I've only known you for a few months so I want to say that too about because i th- you've said it already but there is a difference in the kinds of relationships and the kinds of friends who should be asking certain questions of you or mm-hmm. and i've said it timeless times on the podcast before there are some people that get the right that have earned the right to say the hard things into your life and there are some people that just need to mind their own business <laughs> because they have no right saying yeah. the hard thing and there and then you know we as the receiver of things being said need to have grace because sometimes people are well intentioned yeah but yeah so this is why I'm I'm so happy I'm so glad we're having this conversation because there are things that you were saying that I thought oh oh yeah okay that's good for me to hear as a married person because it's been 17 years and I and I need to be I need to know what it's like because even like I was single 18 years ago, but there was no online dating. Well, it was sketchy. (laughs) Still a little sketchy, my friends. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so, and we were talking a a little bit about this too before we started recording, but I think the things that were really, what really kind of got up in my own business was (laughs) this idea of how your friend invites you into, into their family Mm -hmm. and, and she's married and has kids and. It it reminded me of a time when our oldest was one, or right around one, and I had a friend come over, and I was somewhere doing something. She and I were going to get together. She came early, and then I ended up getting held up, and I called or texted, and she said, you know, oh, we're all waiting for you, you know, come home quick, and this, like, something just uh, blah rose up in me, and I was really uncomfortable. And I had to kind of flesh out what that was, and and part of it was my own insecurity, mm-hmm. which, and again, I can't speak for all the married people either. This is just my story, but part of what played into that was my insecurity. And she and I were very are very good friends, and had a conversation about it, and. You know, she. I wanted her to be here and to be a part of our family, but I also had to acknowledge my insecurity in the midst of that and not wanting to just shut down and say, "Oh no, 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 no!" Like you can never be there when I'm not there because I'm not comfortable with that. God, did I say that? I hope I didn't say that to her. <laughs> I'm having dinner with her tonight, I have to ask her that <laughs> and apologize again. <laughs> But yeah, to have those mm-hmm. hard conversations and to look at what is our motivation, mm-hmm. you know, are we coming from a healthy place or are we coming from a place of insecurity? And then also what are, what are just good, healthy boundaries too? Because I think it's a balance of both. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some of your thoughts around that?
1: Yeah, I think, and in my, in this post on the married friend, uh, gut check, I I kind of explicitly say before you're ready to let a single person into your French, into your life, like not into your marriage. That's a weird way to say it. Right. But like before you let them into your family, mm-hmm. I think it's very important for both married individuals to have the conversation as a couple mm-hmm. of what that is going to okay. look like. Yeah. Um, I don't know,
0: yeah. We'll wait for you while you have that conversation. Yeah. Right? It, and that's exactly,
1: <laughs> I like even put that in the blog of mm-hmm. like, go have that conversation before you even read the rest of this, because mm-hmm. If you haven't had that conversation in your marriage, regardless of the gender of this other person that you're thinking about, like being friends with and letting them into your family life, Mm -hmm. you're both going to have feelings about it, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to have feelings about it. And I think the story that you just told about your friend—that is uh, the—I think a product of our culture, a product of a culture that says men and women cannot be friends without there being a sexual component to it. And the fact of the matter is, like, that's not really true. Like, it's not really true that every man and every woman just want to, like, be intimate in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think the disservice we do in protecting our marriage, and I say our, that's, it's not mine, but (laughs) in protecting marriages, which need to be protected. Like, I'm not trying to say don't have boundaries, but we shut people out and we marginalize people because they're not a part of a couple. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that, like, two married people can't have an an affair or can't have something that's happening that's shady. Um, but one of the things I say in this, that's I think really hard for people to hear is like single people may desire to be in a relationship with a husband or a wife. We want a spouse, not all of us. Some of us want a spouse. We mm-hmm. don't want your spouse um, mm-hmm. because your spouse is your spouse. I want my own spouse. And so to be able to um, let people in to our families I think you need to have that level of conversation and trust and boundaries within your marriage before you can even let me be a friend to either in either relationship. You know, mm-hmm. um, you need to know what you're prepared to talk about with your single friends, how far into and I think in general, like how much of your marriage are you sharing with other people? Like, what are you talking about? What are your boundaries, both space and emotional? And like these are all good conversations, I think, to have. I think it's important for married couples to know that and once you've had that conversation and you can be intentional with your single friends or the single people that are at church with you, mm-hmm. um, you are prepared to let them into your family in a different way or you are pre- prepared to let them be in your community in a different way and I've just been very thankful to my friends that are married that I'm not one of their friends, I'm both of their friends. Mm-hmm. Um in a, in an upcoming blog, we're going to talk about that. That's the that's I call it the tricycle theory. It's an office quote um, that Michael Scott talks about how he used to hang out with his mom and his stepdad, and mm-hmm. his mom would always tell him the third wheel is what makes it a tricycle. And that's a really dumb way of saying it. <laughs> but I have two best friends that we are. We call ourselves the tricycle. I am mm-hmm. their third wheel. Mm-hmm. I am firmly friends with both of them in a really healthy way, I think we have figured out a way to have. And um, they're married to each other. And they're married to each other. And I am their single friend. Mm -hmm. And that we have found a way to be all three friends because there are some things that the wife and I you know, obviously we're girls. We talk about a lot of girl things. Mm-hmm. But the the husband of the couple is a youth pastor also. And so we oh, okay. talk about church life. Mm-hmm. We talk about ministry. We talk about the crazy things that are happening in our world and how we talk about it with youth. Um, and not always does, like, his wife want to hear those conversations. In fact, sometimes she, like, rolls her eyes at us because we've been talking for an hour <laughs> about... Um, shop. Yeah, talking we're shop. talking shop. Mm-hmm. But that's a really healthy dynamic in our Tricycle friendship. And I just think it's really important that we remember that married couples are individual people with individual interests and likes. And some of them are the same and some Mm -hmm. of them are different. Mm -hmm. And so for me to be friends with you and your husband means that there are going to be things that, in an appropriate way, again, like we're always assuming appropriateness, Mm -hmm. Um, we're always assuming health, we're always assuming emotional stability. Because I think that's if we're coming at it from a place of like we assume health Mm -hmm. then we're not like ostracizing people because of our fears and i feel like i'm going in a lot of different directions on this but i want to assume the best in people you know i want us to think single people can be in our relationship like in our friendship and in our community groups as whole individuals with us as whole individuals and we don't have to have this fear that that means they have ill intentions Mm -hmm. because they they don't Right. You know, nine times out of ten they don't. There is sin. There is, you know, a world, which is why that boundary mm-hmm. conversation is really so important, important mm-hmm. for couples to have. Because there are people that are don't have great intentions. <laughs> intentions. But can we just not assume that? Can we not assume the worst? The worst mm-hmm. in people? And I don't honestly, I don't even think it's intentional. No, like I don't I think, think it, that.
0: I think it has a lot to do with what you've said about the what has society said to us and what i talked about before about you know the, my own fears and insecurities that i had that are being b- brought to the table maybe insecurity in the relationship and, and and he and i ended up having a conversation too which we had not had right. before that because we hadn't really seen i, I guess recognize the need for it
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i think that's that's key you have to be able to have that conversation mm-hmm. um, with your spouse and and with your single friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think so much of it is that in my relationships where I have felt like married couples have allowed me to be friends with both of them um, and stand on my own as a person, um, we've had conversations about that and about, you know, what they feel comfortable with. And there are obvious places and spaces where I am not going to be alone with a married person Mm -hmm. like a married man Mm -hmm. we are going to be in in inappropriate spaces
0: you will be in appropriate spaces thanks we will be (laughs) in
1: space appropriate spaces (laughs) I think I even like put that in the post because it's (laughs) like we're just assuming the best we're not Mm -hmm. like my soapbox I think is with this a lot of this stems from like the Billy Graham rule. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot in the world about the Billy Graham rule. And I don't even really like, that's not, that's not the point, but there's a difference between, you know, two people talking at church and two people talking in a hotel room, right? There's a clear one is right. And one is wrong. You know, (laughs) um, if you're not married to each other, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a clear, we have a clear guideline here We're we're living in that guideline. Mm -hmm. Um, But so many people take it to the extreme of I cannot be in relationship with single people because they are single and I am married and we are opposite genders and that's not appropriate. And it's like, no. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And those conversations are difficult to have. And something I was thinking about as you were talking is that uh, assuming on on both sides, I think I just want to be clear that we're saying the married couple needs to assume the best and the single person needs to assume the best, like from both sides, we need to assume the best about each other Mm -hmm. when we're having the conversations. Yeah.
1: And we, we need to have room to adjust if, if we cross a boundary or Mm -hmm. if, if suddenly something changes Mm -hmm. and one of the people in the couple don't feel comfortable anymore. I think that first and foremost, with all of my married friends, the health of their marriage is more important to me than my friendship with either one of them. Yeah. I believe that like Mm -hmm. even gut checking myself, like you have to say that Um, because as much as I love all of my married friends, Mm -hmm. they're married first and foremost, like before God Mm -hmm. and to be able to say, if we need to readjust the way that we've interacted, we need to do that. And I want a safe space for them to talk to me about that. And for me to talk to them about that. You know, I've read a lot about um, how married couples can do this well as far as um, what are some of their boundaries. And one of the things they talk about is like no secrets. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really, really key. Even when you bring in someone who's, again, bringing in is a weird way to say it. Befriending. When you befriend. Thank you. Mm -hmm. When you befriend someone. When I am friends with married couples, there are no secrets between the three between me and them, right. they can have secrets because right. they're married and <laughs> yeah. that's normal.
0: And there are things that you probably don't want to know. I, yeah. For what's sure. Going on there. <laughs> for
1: sure. Yeah. So I think, I think them having the conversation, us all having the conversation, like mm-hmm. I'm all about the conversations. Right. It's going to be awkward. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's worth it. That's what I, I as you've been talking, I, I, I don't want anyone to feel like, Oh my gosh, that sounds really complicated and really hard. Mm-hmm. And it will be a little complicated and a little awkward but worth it, worth it for everybody involved to have those conversations, to get pushed a little bit, to, to make you think about what it is that you really think and feel and believe. Mm -hmm. And then just the friendship, how much you're going to grow from knowing
1: this other person. Yeah, exactly. And I think Again, kind of going back to the beginning where we started, anytime you're trying to figure out something about someone who's different than you, mm-hmm. being able to have conversation about what that means and deal with what your perceptions about that person are. And sometimes
0: there are perceptions that you don't even know are there, right? They, they just come up and you're like, whoa, I didn't even know that I felt that way. Or where did that thought come from? Mm -hmm. And to have the courage to take that thought and kind of bring it out into the light and go, I had that thought or I had that feeling, but that is not, that is not really me. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I had that thought or feeling and let's just take that out and deal with it instead of saying, oh no, 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 I didn't, I didn't think that I didn't feel that. Like, let's be a little honest about it and (laughs) like get our feet under ourselves and be able to move forward in the conversation.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I wrote in my post is Um, first as uh, our married friends one thing they can do in the church community is to look around them and see who the single people are Mm -hmm. and kind of ask yourself before you even approach being friends with them like ask yourself like what do I think about that person it's the only thing that I see they're single is the only thing that I see of like why aren't they with somebody do I have those questions about about them do I know anything about them other than the fact that they are single Mm -hmm. um but what's worse is if you look around your church and you think oh there's no single people here I guarantee you there's single people here and if you don't know that there are single people in your community Mm -hmm. that's a problem like that's that's hard you know because you don't even see them because you d- that means you don't even see mm-hmm, them because mm-hmm. I, I guarantee they're there, whether they're single and they're younger or they're single and they're older, divorce, like With all of, the things mm-hmm. we said, if you don't see them and you don't know that, there's a blind spot. Mm-hmm. And to be able to name that blind spot is, I think, a really big step for married friends. Yeah. I kind of in this in this post, I kind of did this like step by step process of like first you need to make that decision within your marriage that you want to reach across this I called it like the relationship divide that you want to be able to bring people into your life and then you need to think about the single people in your life and what do you think about them and then let's just practice how to interact with single people and not say something that's gonna hurt their feelings Mm -hmm. because you don't intend it right but I think I said somewhere in there that I you can literally ask me about anything else just don't ask me about why I'm single Or what I'm doing about being single or how I feel about being single. Like Mm -hmm. if you're approaching me for the first time, that is absolutely not where you need to start. You Mm -hmm. know, literally to ask about where I went to school, the weather. I would rather Mm -hmm. talk about politics in all (laughs) honesty than for you to ask me. That is saying a lot. That is saying (laughs) a lot than for you to ask me why I'm single.
0: I do have one question. What if somebody else who is single approached you and said, I'm single I guess I'm thinking about the person who is single, who is struggling with it and they know that you're single. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of when we deal with hard things and sometimes there are, sometimes there are questions that shouldn't be asked, uh, you know, on the, on the first meeting someone, but I'm thinking about the person who's struggling with being single or like I dealt with infertility and miscarriages. And if someone just met me and they came and approached me because of that because they're dealing with the same thing then I want to have a conversation with them is what do you feel like it's the same with singleness if someone was saying said to you I'm single I'm struggling with it I know you're single can we have a
1: conversation about that yeah I definitely I definitely feel that way I think and and I am probably one of the more open people some of that comes with being a pastor Mm -hmm. I'm pretty open about the places in my life that have been difficult or hard and I want to be able to help people through through those things and so I think it's this it is similar to someone who's dealt with infertility or someone who is dealing with grief or any of the number of things that can be difficult and challenging in life you want to talk about people talk about it with people who've been in that place with you and Mm -hmm. so if a person came up to me at church and was like hey I'm single can we talk about that Um, obviously I'm going to have some some things to say about that Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be able to tell within myself and my spirit of discernment if that's going to be a healthy conversation or a hard conversation Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to step into that place with them I don't know if I can think of a time when it's been an unhealthy conversation but that is different I think Mm -hmm. than
0: I just don't want people who are single you know people who are struggling with something to not talk to someone who they know have struggled with the same thing because You're not supposed to talk about that hard thing with them. Absolutely. I felt like
1: that was a caveat that. Yeah. No, that's a really important caveat. And I do think, um, I do think also that people who have gotten married in like later in life who Mm -hmm. have come up to me um, or inquired about, and again, it's never that they inquire about my singleness, like right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not, sometimes that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the like, no, thank you. Um, But there are people that have come to me who have said, you know, I got married in life later in life you know, if you ever want to talk about it or, and given me that option, I think so mm-hmm. much of it is you have to be able to like be in that relational space to have that conversation. Just don't, just don't start there. Right. If you don't know that that's something that they're willing to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. Has it been hard as a pastor? <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> applying for pastor positions, pastoral positions. Mm. I mean, we could go way off on a rabbit tra- rabbit trail here with you being
1: a woman and then with you being right. single. There, Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. Um, (laughs) but, but the singleness, is
0: that something that every time you've had to interview for a job, has that been something that has come up?
1: No. Oh, personally, Mm -hmm. I have never actually like legitimately thinking back to my job interviews. Mm -hmm. I have never been asked anything about my singleness personally. I have had friends who have, I have had friends who have said they were asked by a church what happens if you meet somebody? Mm. Like what happens if you meet somebody that's far away? Especially in a world of online dating where you could meet oh. somebody mm-hmm. who lives a long ways away.
0: Mm-hmm. You could be working on a show in Toronto and meet someone from London.
1: Exactly. And then, <laughs> and then my Hallmark movie is happening. Yes. Um, <laughs> exactly. Oh, Royal wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and And that's a question churches weirdly are allowed to ask just like I've had female friends who are pastors who have been asked the question of like, what happens when you have a baby? Mm-hmm. Um, that's also equally a weird thing to ask, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, cause no one's asking a male pastor that question. Right. And again, we don't, we're not going down that track, right, no. but, um, I have not personally ever been asked that question. And I think that it's been in the back of the minds of people when, mm-hmm. after I start or, I do I do remember a conversation I had with a leader once when I was dating somebody long distance and he you could tell that he didn't want to ask me about it but mm-hmm. he wanted to ask mm-hmm, me about mm-hmm. it like what happens if this gets serious and this dude lives in Colorado and you live here and that's just and that's natural you know like that's like a that's a I'm a pastor and some of my life gets put on display mm-hmm. um I don't know how good or bad that is but but it, it kind of is it is what it is especially when you work with youth and mm-hmm. stability is really important in youth ministry and that question of like what's going to happen if you move away you know who knows but mm-hmm. yeah i and I, th- I don't think that bothers me as much as the i think the question of why are you single is the one that's like the hardest if i knew why i was single i wouldn't be single mm-hmm. is what i want to say
0: well and almost <laughs> like why are you single like why why shouldn't i be
1: right yeah that again it's that assumption of marriage is the end as the yeah as Mm -hmm. the end goal Mm -hmm. because that's not always the end goal
0: right well even sometimes if it is somebody's end goal and they're not there like it's not helpful to say yeah I was just telling the story about when I had my first child and I was very particular about things and everyone would kind of oh pat me on the head not literally but you know in their voice oh yeah it's your first child and I just thought it was so condescending Mm -hmm. and then I had my second and would pick his pacifier up off the floor lick it off and give it back to him and I was like oh this is what they're talking about however I still felt like it was condescending yeah whether or not it was true yeah it did not need to be said
1: right and we don't always need to have opinions on the way other people are doing things right exactly I mean we can have the opinion we just don't always need to say it or tell them or tell them that that's what we're thinking right that's And that's a lesson I have had to learn as a single youth pastor in talking to parents about parenting. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what I've seen. I can tell you what I've seen works. But at the end of the day, like you're the parent and I'm just here to support you and help care for your child in a different way. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think we all have to know what we don't know.
0: Right. And the only way we can do that is by asking the people around us who are different than us. Yeah. In some area. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so your next well, right now, your your plan. It Mm -hmm. might change because you're in the middle of it. Is to do the single friend gut check and then some practical steps forward. So how are you how are you feeling kind of in the middle of this conversation? Because it's a vulnerable conversation. It's a Yeah. I mean, I'm just really proud of you to see like Mm, you taking the step and doing what you have been watching. Other people I mean, kind of like what you said, yeah, you were looking to other people to do it, and then you, oh well, wait a minute, <laughs> I guess I could have this conversation, yeah,
1: right, oh, um, yeah, I feel, in all honesty, it was easier for me to write the married friend gut check mm-hmm. than the single friend gut check.
0: It's a little more personal, it is a little
1: more personal, you know i can I can say what's been hard and what's been difficult for me in interacting with my married friends, but when you think about dealing with your own loneliness and your own issues with loneliness it's a lot and so for me to be able to write something that is a gut check that I have been doing that work is also like that is a blaring mirror of like I am basically just writing it to myself because these are everyday conversations that I have with God about being single and about what I feel about being single and it's not like an everyday lament. Some days it's mm-hmm. not a lament. And some days it's not as hard as it is other days because I have an amazing group of friends. I have a, an amazing community. The loneliness factor for me is not as high as in other seasons of my life. Um, but this next one is going to be hard. And I think that's the one that's going to be hard for my friends to read, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Because we're all going to see a little bit of ourselves in the mirror. My best friend asked me yesterday, tell me if I need to be nervous before I read it. And I said, well, we should all be nervous because we all have to, to, to deal with these things. And we're not always right. Mm. You know, we can lament and we can be frustrated at the things that people have said to us. But at the end of the day, we have to deal with those emotions and we have to deal with that, that space in our life. That we want to be filled that is not filled. And we have to deal with what that means about our relationships with God and our faithfulness to God. And we need to be protecting our integrity. And that's a hard thing to talk about on the internet. Mm -hmm. So now that I've said all of that out loud, I have to write about all that. So. So we'll how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not great. No. Yeah. No, great. Yeah. Well,
0: that's how I felt when I, this gut check, this married friend gut check before I read it, it was like, okay, read on. Because I knew it was going to be a mirror of mm-hmm. things I had said or things I have done. And yeah. it it was, it was not an easy read, but it was a
1: good read and I needed to read it. Right. And we all have our stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we all have to deal with our stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime that we can be or look ourselves in the eye, in the mirror, mm-hmm. um, we're better for it. But it's hard. It's hard to do self work. It is. So is there anything that we haven't
0: talked about yet that you felt like, oh, I really wanted to make sure that I said this. Ooh, OK. I just was looking through here quick and I'm going to say something. Um, Jesus is your husband.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, we need to address that.
1: Yes. So I wonder, uh, you know, as I wrote that and as I've been talking, that came from a friend. I've heard it to me. Um, well, Isaiah fifty four five says, the maker of the universe
0: is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. I only know that because when I was single. Yes. I memorized that. Yes. So I don't know if that's where people are getting Ooh, that. It could
1: be. Um, what do y- people say to men about that, though? Like, here, that's my question. Like, I've only ever heard women say that people have told them Jesus is their husband.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I'm like, the church is your bride. Um, no, because you're not
1: Jesus. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I I don't know either. I should ask him about my single male friends. But
0: I mean. I think it's a little more acceptable.
1: I was just going to say that. I was just going to say I have often been in the situation where Friends of mine who are well intentioned want me to date one of their friends, Mm -hmm. but only ever talk to me about it. Like as the woman who, in my opinion, has less of a role in that situation. I'm a very traditional. Like I want to be pursued. Mm -hmm. I want someone to to take interest in me. I've had people be like, "Oh, why can't you just date that person?" And I want to know why it just doesn't happen. That's not how. (laughs) First of all, that's not how it works. It's not (laughs) like you're a Christian. You're a Christian. You should be married. But they don't talk about it with the the male Mm. that I am getting bombarded and I'm talking bombarded like several people in several situations have been in that space of like you and this person need to be together and they will bring up to me time and time again. And it's Mm -hmm. part of part of it, I think, is we're the only two single people, you know. And Mm. so you're saying that we should be together. And again, without the relationship that they have to speak truth into my life. If a married couple that I am good friends with wants to set me up with a person that they think would be good fit for me, that Mm -hmm. is an okay scenario. Mm -hmm. When people who don't know me is just like that person's single and you're single, be together, not always the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I just noticed that it happens a lot more to women than it does to men. And I could be wrong, but I, I talk to my single guy friends and they don't have that same like bombardment from women in the church say and or men in the church I think it's just men don't maybe don't talk about this I don't know (laughs) know. um I
0: think we maybe probably should have had one more person in this conversation maybe we needed
1: we needed a a man
0: (laughs) maybe that's what we don't know that we don't know yes
1: thank you that might be what we don't know I'm i I'm literally gonna go ask some people but this question (laughs) I think we just found part five yeah there it is there it is (laughs) But the the Jesus is my husband. Somebody said it to me and it's like, it's like, yes, but, or yes, and, Mm -hmm. yes and no. I need to, again, deal with my loneliness. I need to push deeper into my relationship with God. All of those things are true, which Mm -hmm. I think is what's behind the Jesus, just like you were saying in Isaiah, that's what's behind that statement. But to just have somebody say that to you, like that, that is the like cure all of your life. Mm -hmm can be really damaging and really hurtful.
0: Well, I think it diminishes your experience and any feelings that you might be dealing with with being single. Like, right. almost like saying, well, Jesus is your husband, so you
1: shouldn't feel that way. Right. Is what it sounds like yes. to me. It is in it is invalidating my feelings. And mm-hmm. your experience. And my experience. And I think the part of the the struggle between, like, across this relationship divide is that... At the end of the day, my married friends go home to their families, their husband, their wife, their kids, whoever that looks like. At the end of the day, I go home to an empty apartment and that that is partially my choice to not have roommates, whatever. But there is a there is a difference between going home to people and sharing your everyday life with them and sharing, you know, the funny and dumb things that happened in the day, the hard things and to going home alone. And so there is like a level of I need to rely on God for that, that care. But there's also like an extreme loneliness in that and an extreme. I just want someone to like talk about my life with or like share random stories with. And Mm -hmm. I, I do have those people in my community. But when you tell me that. Jesus is my husband, it does negate the experience that I have to go home to an empty house that you have the privilege of going home to somebody else. And I know that there's things in marriages that are hard and challenging. I don't want it to seem like I don't understand the the hard parts of marriage, but to tell me that Jesus is my husband more than jesus then shouldn't jesus be your husband too like mm-hmm. isaiah is not only written to single people <laughs> but like if you say that as an answer to my plight of singleness which by the way is not a plight then what does that mean for you and i think that's that's the deeper theological discussion to have about when we say somebody is married to jesus
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you're like you're in youth group and your jesus is your boyfriend mm-hmm. it's not it's not helpful <laughs> Yeah, I had more feelings about that than I thought I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, we need to address that.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing I know that my friends would, I have friends that would say, you didn't talk about this, is that whole setting up your single friends Mm -hmm. and when is that appropriate and when is that not appropriate? I feel like a lot of people ask that question because they do have people in their lives that are both single that like could be a good fit. So I know that people would be like, you should have talked about that. But I also want to say that that is a total like in a relationship, like in relationship, you can have that conversation about whether or not it's okay to set somebody up with somebody else because every single person is going to feel differently about that. I've had awful setups Mm -hmm. that I felt forced into that have been really awkward. And I've had friends that I wish they would set me up with somebody that I know is in their life that I would love to, you know, (laughs) hang out with on a one on one (laughs) basis. But I think, I think in relationship, married friends and single friends can have that conversation about, can we set you up with somebody? Is that appropriate? Again, when you have earned that level of relationship, you can have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Don't just assume or trap them. Don't trap them in a situation where they're going to awkwardly have to like be with somebody that you think would be good for them. Mm -hmm. Don't trick them. Right. No one likes to be tricked. Mm -mm. Again. In conversation about singleness, always having a relationship with that person is going to be the better way to have that conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. So, this is called the Retreat House Podcast. Yes. So, I ask all my guests, How do you retreat? What does it look like for you? Is it a place? Is it a practice? Is it both?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about this question because I knew you were going to ask. Mm-hmm. I love retreating. As a youth pastor, I mm. go on retreats with students, I create that space for them. I'm not as good at creating that space for myself. Mm. Part of it is being an extrovert. Part of it is that I'm alone a lot. And so the thought of like going alone to like have solitude Mm -hmm. is like, that's just like a Tuesday night, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but more of it isn't being intentional. Um, I think being in a space where you can interact with God and have all your feelings or, you know, be you and God is really important. And so One of the places I find that personally is on my balcony. I like to start or end my day just on the balcony by myself, you know, a cup of coffee, my journal, um, maybe some music. And just to be able to like daily have a little bit of retreat that is intentionally time with God Mm -hmm. and not time in front of the television or folding laundry. And I think that's important for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think especially when you are alone a lot, it can be important to remember to set that time for god aside and to retreat into that space that's good yeah yeah and to retreat with friends like i'm a big big fan of like girls trips Mm -hmm. and you know taking the people that are that are going to speak into your life away to speak into your life Mm -hmm. and to speak into each other's lives Mm -hmm. so i'm a big fan of like planning retreats Mm -hmm. yeah me too yeah
0: yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) obviously obviously yeah (laughs) And the other question I ask guests is if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would that be?
1: Everything. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that recently has just been really clear to me about what I celebrate as weird is the vocation of being a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, The call on my life to pour into students also means that I have a weird life and a weird schedule, Mm -hmm. and that some of my my job entails doing some really weird things like planning a game. Uh, A youth group favorite of ours is a game that we call Ultimate Chicken Couch. And that is a celebrate weird moment because we have taken all of these random games and put it into it's like Ultimate Frisbee with a rubber chicken. And the goal is a couch. So you have to sit on the couch and catch the chicken. Okay. And it sounds super weird. (laughs) Again, celebrate weird. It (laughs) sounds super weird, but my students love it. (laughs) Hopefully. No, I'm I'm just kidding. They do love it. And it's those are the things that come out of a youth pastor's mind. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we are weird people. (laughs) Well, thank God for you. Because (laughs) that is a call. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It is is a call. (laughs) And weird things that you never think you would have to write in like expectations. Like don't bring Axe body spray on this trip Mm. that is a weird sentence that I've had to say and write numerous times Mm -hmm. because or to spend
0: an afternoon going to multiple stores looking for a red rubber ball
1: yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah recently (laughs) yep or yeah yeah any of the any of the weird errands that I have to do Mm -hmm. on a Wednesday my Instagram story is really just me trying to figure out what to do with my life as a (laughs) youth pastor and why is it so hard to find a playground ball mm-hmm. it's difficult
0: well thank you so much for coming on and bringing this conversation to just bringing it to the surface and then coming on here and talking more about it I I appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty and that you're stepping out like this
1: yeah thanks for having me I love it <laughs> Thank you
0: for listening to the Retreat House Podcast. Any links mentioned in the show can be found in the show notes. We want to thank Isaac Turley for his music at the beginning and end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and we'll see you next week on the Retreat House Podcast.